0: Everybody doing okay tonight? Oh, come on now. That's better. Hey, thanks for being here. We say this every Thursday, and I really mean that. Thanks for coming out in the house of God. We're just thrilled to have you here. And I want to welcome our online uh, community, but I want to say something about our Our online folks, and we tell you stories about that every once in a while, about the different people who watch our service, and and, uh, we get really excited when we hear people who are really far away, and uh, they got connected somehow to our ministry, and so you might be uh, watching online right now, and you're in a different state, we're thrilled to have you, and we get all these kind of different stories, but we heard a couple this week that when I heard them, I thought, man, I want to tell you about those, okay, and uh, it's it's a couple of families, I'm not gonna tell you who they are because some of you might know them, and getting up in years and kind of you know really elderly. And when you get you know at that point, you might have some things happen to you physically, and and so some f- people that this is kind of their home, been their home for a long, long time, and uh, and you might be here because of them, and they've had a great impact uh, for God their whole life, and now they've come to a point where you know they're kind of at that point, and they're probably not gonna get out maybe ever again ever again and they watch our services faithfully every week, and this allows them to be home with their people. Isn't that pretty cool, huh? Isn't that pretty cool? So if you're one of those people, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here, okay? Everybody doing good? How you like this cold weather? Anybody like it? Okay, we're good. If you like winter, we're going to have a uh, expulsion of demonic powers out of your life after services. Man, I am ready for warm weather already. Hey, a couple things I want you to be aware of. So next Thursday, Tuesday is Thanksgiving, okay? So we're not gonna be meeting in this room on Thanksgiving. We hardly ever cancel Thursday night, but we do it on Thursday on Thanksgiving. So we want you to be with your family and your friends and want you to enjoy it. So mark that down and kind of remember that. But you know what we feel about worship. You know that that is a consistent thing that we want to make sure that's in your life. So don't allow that uh, to be a week that disrupts that, okay? So maybe you can be here on Sunday. Uh, We do have church on Sunday. Did you all know that? And you can come and worship with us on Sunday, And if there's just no way you can do that because you work or you're out of town, get online, make sure that worship stays a part of your life next week, okay? Even though the holidays are kind of disrupting that for us a little bit on our Thursday evening programming. So remember that. And then I want you to do something else for me. Uh, Before I teach, I want to talk to you about that. And that is I want you to get in your head December 6th. And that's a Tuesday night. That's our next pathway night. And uh, we have a vision here at our church for about a year and a half where we're talking to people about your next. Live your next, live your next, live your next. And your next is the next step, the next part of what God has in your spiritual journey for us just to figure all that out. And there are some of you that your next is on December 6th at Pathway. It really is. So if you're in this room right now and your next is learning how to become a Christian and getting baptized and be a member of this church, that's you ought, to, you ought to be at Pathway. You really should. That is first point at Pathway. And if your next is to get involved in a ministry, become a volunteer here at our church, December six, baby. That is for you. Okay. If your next is a life group, that happens at Pathway, December six. If your next is to understand the Bible a little bit, that is Pathway. So all of us probably have a next, and I just hope you'll mark that down. Okay. Uh, starts at six o'clock. Free dinner. We'll take care of your kids. Okay. We have people every pathway come just to drop their kids off. The first date they've had forever. And so whatever you got to do, we want you to come be a part of that. It's a great evening. So register on our app and our website and get ready for that. Okay. I am ready to teach, man. I'm fired up about what we're going to talk about uh, in this weekend's message. And uh, I want to tell you a little story before I jump into it. And uh, somebody told me about an older lady who'd come to church one day and uh, she walked in And the place was packed, and she's looking for a seat. And so an usher kind of met her towards the back and said, Ma'am, can I help you find a seat where you want to sit? And she said, Front row, man. I want to be in the front row. I want to be front and center right there. And he said, okay. And they started walking down and he whispered in her ear, ma'am, are you sure you want to go to the front row? Are you sure about that? And he said, our preacher is super boring and you're probably going to fall asleep right in front. Are you sure you are? And she said, young man, you know who I am? He said, no. She said, I am the preacher's mother from out of town. I came to visit. And he said, do you know who I am? And she said, no. He said, good, and he took off, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm going to talk about something that some of y'all are going to be tempted to fall asleep and get bored. So I'm going to tell you right now, when we' talk about we're going to jump into it, and I'm going to encourage you not to fall asleep and not to get bored, because we're going to talk about something tonight that has the potential, it has the potential to be one of the most powerful, favor-pouring elements in your life. And I'm not just blowing that up. I'm really not. I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible says about money. And when you hear that, you might think, oh man, of all the things I could have done today and I came here to talk about money. But I want you to hear me. And you're gonna hear some stuff tonight from my heart. You're gonna see some stuff in the word of God. I hope it gives you a new perspective because I don't know a whole lot of things in the Bible that has the potential to put a favor in your life like this can. So I'm gonna plead with you. If you have a tendency to fall asleep or get bored, don't let that happen to you in this message. Now, let's jump right into it. I want to show you a power verse. And I love power verses. If you know what a power verse is, everything in this book has impact and significance. But there's a few places that that's power stuff. And I want to jump right in In our study today and I want to show you a power verse from the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and I'll put it up here so you can see it also but let me read it to you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding that is a power verse that's called a power verse and you probably have heard that before. You may have memorized it. You might have talked about that with people before. You say, oh, yeah, I know, I know about Proverbs 3, 5. But I want, I want you to see something about it that's going to show you why it's a power verse. And you see that word lean, lean not that I've got highlighted in there. And that word right there, if you think, here's a a great way to think of this word. If you've ever been at an airport that had one of those subway trams and you jump in it and you're going to move to a different gate or something, I know a lot of you have done that. You walk in there and you grab one of those poles. And you hold on to that pole, you lean on that pole, you put all your weight on that pole because that pole is your stability. And this word lean in the Hebrew language means that you, you tend to lean into something with your weight, you kinda hold on to it, and you kinda, you kinda put all your reliance on that to keep stability in your own life. And and the application of it for you and I as we study it, the author is trying to bring that up, is that the idea is that we come to these decisions in our life where we've got to make a decision or we've got to do something, got to choose how we're going to act in some way. And our tendency, our tendency is to lean to hold on to our own opinions and our own thoughts and our own ways. That's what it means to lean on your own. It means to hold my pole because this is what I think, this is what I believe, this is my opinion, this is my tendency. And his power verse comes out and says, don't live your life that way. Don't live your life holding on to your own pole, leaning in to your own view about something. Instead, instead of that, that whenever you come to a a decision or I gotta make a choice about how I'm gonna act in a particular situation, that, that whenever you get to that point, don't grab your own pole, don't do that. Instead, trust, now watch this, trust God who is probably gonna have a different thought than you have when you hold on to your own pole. So learn to live your life this way that whenever you come to a fork in the road or you got to say here's where I stand or here's what I'm going to do or here's what I think don't grab your own pole that's our tendency as humans this is what I think about it this is what I want to do this is what I think ought to happen instead of that just trust God to watch us and if you trust God the way that he calls us to believe something or a choice to, it's probably gonna be radically different than your own pole. It's a power verse. Learn to live your life trusting God and not leaning on your own pole, holding your own understanding. Now, simple way to understand that is that you you start to think in, in various areas of your life. Let's just say somebody came into your life and, and they hurt you and maybe a friend of yours let you down and you're, you're discouraged, you're hurt on what they did and you, you're trying to say okay how do I react to the fact that somebody hurt you and our tendency as humans is to grab our pole okay and, and our pole because we're, we're, we're finding stability in, in our experience and what we think, our, our pole tells us sometimes maybe to react and if you said this about me I'm gonna say that about you. And if you're mean to me, I'm going to be mean about you. And, and maybe I'll get to the point where i just write you out of my life because that's what happens when you hold your pole. And, and the power verse says, teach yourself not to grab your pole. Teach yourself, okay, God, what do you think? I'm going to trust you knowing that it's different than my pole. And so God says, well, have you ever considered this? Forgive and learn from it and get better and move on and you think but that's not what my pole tells me to do and the power verse says learn to live your life constantly like that I'm not going to grab my own pole I'm going to trust in the Lord now now look up here I want you to see this that that sentence doesn't end there this is what makes it a power verse okay don't don't miss this because the thought continues on And the thought continues on in the sixth verse, the very next verse. Check it out. It says this. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's just another way of saying trust him, not your own pole, okay? In everything, acknowledge him. Trust him, not your own pole. And watch this. And he will make your paths straight. Some versions use the word smooth. And so the power of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which I know many of you have heard that before. Okay, that's a favorite verse of a lot of people. The power of that verse is that whenever you come to points in your life where I've got to decide what I'm going to do or what I believe or where I'm standing on something, that if you land on your own pole, okay, watch this, the path of your life may very well end up Rocky and bumpy and curvy and dangerous. And if you can turn to the point where you understand that the power of this verse is that I'm I'm going to trust God on this even though what God says is completely against the nature of who I am as a human. I'm gonna trust him, then here's the power of that. If you can get there, if you can do that, then your paths will be smooth, straight. Not bumpy, not potholes, not curvy, and see, the reality is, gang, and I've got, to, I've got to be careful about spending all my time on this aspect, the, the reality is, is that a lot of times when our life, the paths of our life are just all messed up, man, it feels like I hit a speed bump there, and you know I'm, I'm curving over here, and it's up and down over there, and it's loose gravel, I mean, my life is a mess. Sometimes the reason, the whole reason for it is because we chose to hold our own pole stability in our own experience and our own knowledge as a human being rather than, God, I'm just going to trust you. I mean, it's not at all what I think. It's, it's completely opposite of what I feel. Uh, nobody tells me to do what you're telling me to do. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out of the I'm going to trust you. And the power of this beautiful verse is that God makes a promise that if you will do that, if you can get to that point, then your paths will be straight and smooth. Now, I didn't come to talk about that. What I came to talk about, and this is what I want you to hear, and if you're already about to fall asleep or you're bored or you're wondering what in the world you're doing here, this is why I need you to, to come together because this might be the thing, the single thing that I share with you that has the potential to put a favor in your life like nothing else I know. Watch this. Once, once the power of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 comes out, and now you know what it all means, the author then says, "Let me give you some examples of it." He said, "Okay, tell me tell me how this works." And the first example he mentions, the first example, is how you handle your money. Now that's not that's not a mistake. That's not a coincidence that this power verse that we've memorized as followers of God and unfortunately haven't really completely understood it until you do now, that the power of that is that the author led by God to write it says, there are few things that apply to this more than how you handle your money. And so this example comes up in these two verses that we've been playing with for this month. It's Proverbs chapter 3, just a couple verses later after the power verse, verses 9 and 10, and it comes down to this. We've looked at it now for three weeks. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now stop right there. That is right on the heels of, okay, you're going to hold your own pole or are you going to just trust, okay? What are you going to do? And he says, okay, let's use an example here. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And this is a financial application of the power verse of verses five and six. And so we've been diving into it with surgical tools. And our brother Neil started us with that phrase of honor the Lord a couple weeks ago. And this is beautiful. This is beautiful. You now see how the Bible is a flow of thought, okay? In verses five and six, okay, trust him, trust him, not your own pole. And then he says, Okay, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord is the same thought, it's to give God the weight. To give him all the honor, I'm going to trust what he says instead of holding on to my own stability. So honor the Lord. And that is the heart of the matter that we've been talking about. So how do I honor the Lord? With your wealth. We talked about that last week. And that's not a money thing. That's not a money thing. That is, that's my life. Everything about me, man. We called it the deck that you're playing with, okay? Everything that you got in your life. The totality of your existence. Learn, I'm going to trust him. It's completely different than my own experience and my own thought. I'm gonna trust him and go off a limb. And then he says, let me get specific with you. And that's what brought you and I here with the first fruits of all your crops. That line right here that we've highlighted is the difference between every person in this room who walks out of here with the potential to have a favor put in your life, smooth, straight road, and those who are gonna deal with curves and bumps and rocks and danger. And the difference is will you honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your crops? Now, we can walk out of here and the reality is for a lot of us, and I would say even me I think at times when I first read that, is you read that, but you don't really know what that means. So sometimes for me, for the Bible, the best way to kind of understand the Bible is I kind of often do uh, Q&A sessions with it. And so I might look at that and say, what are my questions about this line? And I want to come up with what those answers are. And so I think when you look at that, there's some questions that you might have. For example, here's one question. I think it's a great question. Let's throw it up here so you know where we're going. What in the world is a first fruit, okay? What is that? So God is saying in the power verse, okay? He's saying in the power verse, you got an option here, man. Straight, smooth, bumpy, rocky, you got an option, okay? And and the difference is, will you trust God with your first fruit or will you lean on your own pole with your first fruit? And for most of us, we'd say, well, dude, what's a first fruit? I know what you're talking about. Well, let's go ahead and answer that. If you took the word first fruit in the Bible, that is mentioned repetitively, often, many, many times, the word actually means first. That's all that word means is first. It is first as it is attached. To the season of harvest, and they talked about that often in the Old Testament. So they use the word first in harvest season, and that's why they put the word fruit on the end of it. The actual word is just first, and that's what it means. And so if a farmer is going to harvest a 1,000 acres, okay, and go out and harvest a 1,000 acres, the first part of that that he picks, 1,000 acres of soybeans, the very first part that he picks is the first fruit that's all that word means and you think well Dave I'm not a farmer what are you even talking about I don't even know where that applies well you think about it hang on here you hold on to your seat because we're talking about trusting God's wisdom okay we're not talking about hanging on to your pole okay we're, we're learning that I'm not going to do that as a follower of God I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here I'm going to trust him And so we see this idea of first fruit, and what we're being told here is that God says the very first thing that you do with your money is you give some of it to him. The first thing. It's not the third thing you do with your money. It's not the fifth thing you do with your money. It's not what you have done after you did everything you want to do with your money, and if there's anything left over, then God can have that. That's called leftovers. That's not first. First fruit. Now, I purposely today, uh, before we started services, kind of, Uh, Went around and and saw as many people as I have. I kind of have in my head, I want to shake X number of hands every time we have church. But I just want to see everybody and talk to them. And today I did it with the intent of seeing how many young people we have. And I love that there's young people in this room. And some of y'all young people, I've I've talked to you earlier uh, today for this service. And and I I love that young people here, because young people want you to hear me, that you can learn this now. You can learn this in a way that we favor smooth, straight for the rest of your life. And us older people, if you're just learning this, it's really hard because we've been holding on to our pole for so long, man. And what you just heard is the Bible says that if you want your path straight and smooth, the very first thing that you ever do with money when you get it, number one thing, is that you give some back to God. And young people, if you can learn that now, now, before, before you find out what it's like to hold on to your pole and experience all the mistakes that come from that, because us older people, it's harder to do. I shared with you before, um, seems like a million years ago when I was in Bible college, and I didn't know any of this stuff, gang. I didn't know any of this. I came to Jesus later as, as a young man, and in Bible college, my job was a custodian. It was one of them things, schools give you a little job so you can help pay for things, and, and I was a custodian, man. I took care of bathrooms and dorms, and I can remember, I can, I can just see it right now, the first time I got paid, and I'm, I'm holding this check, and I remember it was in the 50s, you know, $52.00. something like that, and it was handed to me by my boss, uh, Mr. Thompson, who's got to be in heaven now because he was 9,000 years old back then, and he hands me this check, and he said to me, now, Mr. Hastings, this is what you do with this. You walk over there to the finance office, and you cash that, and you take some of that money, and you put it in an envelope and send it back to your church. You do that before you spend money on anything else. And I learned that, I learned that right then. And it became a habit for me in my life that I've never ever struggled with it because I learned it early. So young people, I want you to hear this. That you're gonna start beginning jobs and you're gonna work entry level things and you're gonna kinda work your way up as you get older and older. And I want you to hear, hear it early. That you learn this now. That the very first thing that you ever do with money is that God gets some of that. And if that seems radical and harsh, just remember that it is consistent with God always wanting to be first. And there's applications of that in the Bible over and over and over where God says, I just want to be first. I want to be first. Have you ever wondered why a church in the Bible was on Sunday? You ever wonder about that? And some people say, well, that's because of the resurrection. Jesus raised on the first day of the week. Yeah, that's probably part of it. I don't think that's the whole reason why church was on Sunday. You know why church was on Sunday? Because God was saying, I want you to learn this. That when you start a new week and you got seven days ahead of you, and you're looking at, how, what do I got to do in these seven days? Man, I got all this stuff to do. And God says, here's the first thing you do. The first thing you do is get with the, the family and you worship me, that's what God says. And then you figure out how everything else is gonna fit in, and we don't do that, do we? You know we don't do that, okay? We, we start the new week, we say, man, how am I gonna get everything done? I got all this kind of stuff, I gotta do that, we gotta go over there, we got this happening, and we say, we're gonna fit it all in, and man, I hope, I hope there's something there so we can find ourselves to go to church. And what happens is that church is a leftover for a lot of people, and God says, man, I wanna be first. And you say, that sounds so radical. That sounds so radical. That is so different. You know why it's different and radical? Because our tendency is to hold our pole. See? And God says, no, man, I want you to trust me. I want you to do what doesn't even sound even close to being right. I want you to trust me instead of holding on to your pole. And so the very first thing of anything you ever do, according to the Bible, when you get paid, the very first thing you ever do with your money is you figure out that God's going to get some of it. And then you're going to figure everything else out later. And God says that puts you on a course for smooth, straight paths. Now, it's interesting that once you kind of deal with that, then it, for me, brings another question. I think it's the obvious question, okay? So if, if I got to honor the Lord with my first fruit, okay? So the first thing is God with my money. My next question is how much is a first fruit, Okay. So how much is that? And, and so how do I deal with that? And I want, you to tell, I want to tell you that this is where I struggle. This is where I struggle as a preacher. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of my heart here, okay? Um, if you talk to any of our elders, if you talk to some of our staff people who know me really well, you know they would tell you something about me, and that is of all the things I preach about, The one that I don't like preaching at all about is money. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I ask John Talbot every year, would you preach a money sermon? He goes, I'll quit if you give it to me. So we got to have him. So I'm it. I'm the only guy worth his salt who'll get up here and talk about, and I have never liked it. I don't want people to think that we're just about your money. I I detest that. I don't want people to think, oh, the church, man, they just want all the cash or that Hastings, man, he wants wants it all. I I detest that. And and I just, I have never felt comfortable with that. Never. All these years, I'm still terribly uncomfortable right now. And some of y'all think, well, if you're uncomfortable, just quit, bro. We'll go home. Okay. But I just, I just haven't, I, I haven't been there. Um, I remember hearing about a couple one time who inherited a million dollars from some dead aunt, and the wife heard about it, and she was all excited, man, we got a million dollars, and she was going to call her husband, baby, we want a million dollars from you know Aunt Margaret, we didn't even like her, but we got a million dollars, and she thought, I can't call him. Because he's got a bad heart, I tell him you're going to get excited die, have a heart attack right there. I can't do it. So, what am I going to do? How do I have to tell him? And so she said, Well, I'm a preacher, I have an idea. So she called a preacher, which, by the way, that is exactly the first thing you always do if you come into big money. You call your preacher, that's her first step. So she said, what should I do? He goes, well, let me tell him, I have a, you know, I'll have, know, i call So he meets with him and he says, Herman, you know, what would you do if you just came into a million dollars, what would you do? And Herman said, you know what? I kind of thought about that before. I, th- I think I'd probably give about half of it to church. Preacher fell over and died of a heart attack right there. I don't want to be that guy, man. I don't want to be that guy. And I've always kind of detested it. And so you might say, well, then what are you preaching about? Well, here's what I want you to hear in my heart. And I hope some of you hear this. Some of you gonna miss it. I know, but I'm, I want you to hear this. It's just me talking to you. I I discovered one year that by not being comfortable with it and not talking about it, what I was doing was I was apologizing for God's plan. I was embarrassed about his way. I was uncomfortable about, about trusting what he said because it's so different from the pole that we hold. And I started realizing the gravity of that. Who am I to say that there's a part of what God teaches that I'm kind of embarrassed and I don't want to talk about because it makes us uncomfortable. And the more I thought about that, the more I began to realize that not only am I apologizing for a part of his word, but I am robbing you from learning what God has put in place for a straight, smooth path in your life. And so I was just kind of hiding all that. And I said, I'm not going to do that anymore I'm gonna teach what the Bible has to say about this, and you kind of deal what you gotta do with it, and I'm just gonna lay it out and hope that God will grab your spirit. And so I've kind of got over that a little bit. I still don't love doing it, but I, I'm not I'm not embarrassed about it. And so when I when I look at this text and I, I can feel the air. Can y'all feel the air right now? Um, what am I gonna do with my money? Well, first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna give some of it to God. Well, how much? I mean, how much is the first fruit? So let's talk about it. There is a standard that the Bible gives. I didn't come up with it. You didn't come up with it. The Bible did. It's not on my poll. It's not on your poll. It is trust in God. And the standard that the Bible gives us is 10% of a person's income. However they get income, 10% of that, that is a first fruit. So if a farmer is cutting 1,000 acres of beans, the first 100 acres belongs to God. If if you make $1,000 a week, your tithe is $100 a week. And you say, Dave, where did that come from? Let me show you real quick. I'm just going to make it real quick so you know I didn't make it up. The book of Leviticus is one place that it came up for the very first time. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. 10% belongs to the Lord. Watch this. It is holy to the Lord. You know what that means? It's his. You put it over here, it is his. It ain't nobody else's. It's his. And, and here's the reality of it, and I, I chose not to make this a big deal in my sermon, but I gonna admit it. It's holy to the Lord, which means, listen carefully, that if you take it, you're taking what isn't yours. That's powerful stuff. And it's easy for us Christians to think, yeah, Dave, that's Old Testament stuff, man. We don't live by the Old Testament. Really? Because they asked Jesus that question. They said, Jesus, what, what do you think about this, okay? We're not in the Old Testament what, what do you think, Jesus? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what I think about it. Did you ever see how Jesus responded to the answer? Check this out. He was talking to a group of church leaders. They were Pharisees, scribes, teachers of the law. And he said to them, woe to you. Now stop right there. If you ever have a conversation with anybody, okay, guys, if your wife said, baby, can we talk for a minute? And you sit down and she goes, woe to you. This ain't going to go good for you, okay? And so Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now watch this. You give a tenth, a tithe, the first fruit. Watch this. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin. You, you, you tithe is what he said. You do all that. Then look at the next sentence but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You know what he's saying? You, you give the 10% to God, you're just a terrible person. You give money, you're just a horrible person. And, and that was a big problem. They were trying to buy their way into heaven. And so Jesus said, that's a big problem. You tithe, but you're just a terrible person. And then look what he said right after this. Watch this. You should have practiced the latter. In other words, you ought to be a good person. Faithfulness, Mercy. You ought to be a good pastor without neglecting the former. Don't stop tithing. And at this point in the life of Jesus, as we look at the New Testament, we get into the writings of Paul, the writings of John. The reality is they don't talk about tithe too much more anymore. What it does, it kind of bumps it up. It talks about the heart of generosity. It talks about sacrifice. I'm going to do Without so that I can advance the kingdom of God. It, it makes it even more. And so what we've always taught here at Eastside Christian Church, and I'm going to show it to you real quick, is something I did about three or four years ago. And uh, I brought the same thing back here to do it again. And uh, it helped a lot of people. We had so many people said, dude, that changed it for me. And so I'm going to show you exactly what we're going to do here. I'm going to show you how that works. Is I brought three uh, buckets here. And you'll see some numbers on them. And what we encourage at uh, Eastside, from our understanding of the Bible, is that we learn to live in a principle called ten ten eighty. That when you receive income, any kind of income that you receive, that you learn to live your life this way. Young people, young people, please hear me. Please hear me. Because if you do this at this point in your life, And when you get to be 70 and 80 years old, you you just, your path is going to be unbelievable. So we got 10, 10, 80, and I brought some money here, and we're actually going to do it. I brought 10 $1 bills. I wanted to bring 10 $100 bills, but my name ain't Aquila Bach. So I got 10, (laughs) so I got $10 here, okay? So I I got my, my crops here. So I take one of those, and it goes in that bucket because that belongs to God. And then I take another one of those, and it goes in this bucket, because that belongs to me. That's my savings. And that's another biblical teaching for another day, but there's going to be a day when I need that. That's how I'm going to put it in there. And i got $8, $8 left. I'm going to take these $8. I'm going to put them in this bucket, and that's what I'm going to live on. Now, you just watched me do something that was critically important. I didn't start with this, did I? Because if I started with this, you know what happens, because it happens to many of you in this room right now. You start with this, and there is seldom anything for this or this. Isn't that right? And what happens is it's just leftover stuff. And God says, that's not first fruit. First fruit is the first 10%. And so you've got 1,000 acres, Mr. Farmer, and you're going to go out there, and the very first 100 acres you cut goes in this pot. Now, here, here's, here, here's the deal, because it keeps going back to that verse, that power verse. Man, that is craziness. You know why that's craziness? Because you're hanging on to your own pole. You're finding stability in your own opinions, in your own way of thinking things, in your own experience, and you're holding on to that that pole because that's where your stability is, and you hear that, and you go, man, that ain't even close. And, And the power verse says, come on now, I need you to trust it. And if you can trust it, Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you we're talking smooth, straight paths. And have you ever wondered why financially everything's all rocky and bumpy and, my gosh, it's just terrible? Why is that? Sometimes it's because I've chosen the pole instead of trusting. And so I hope that visual can be something for you that you'll think through and you're going to walk out of here today, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm, I'm at a point. What am I going to do? Am I going to keep holding all this pole, or i am going to trust him? Now, all of that moves me to a, a one final question I want to ask. I want to spend a little bit of time on it, but it won't take too long. And it's a question I don't think I've ever addressed when I've ever been talking about this topic, and that is where does the first fruit go? So what happens to it? So if... If I do this, okay, how's how's the mechanics of all that go? And you probably have wondered that at some point in your life and you just did not know who to ask. And the more I thought about this, the more I realized that we probably as a church need to be really open about that. And so so how's that work? Where does the first fruit go? Now, I want to say this to you, that we do not have a direct command on that anywhere in the Bible. We, we don't have that. So how do I do that? For It's just not there. We have examples of how it happened. And, 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 and because we have those examples, I'm going to explain to you in a minute, that tends to be the precedent of how it probably ought to happen with us. And so here's what we know. In the Old Testament, when they put the first 10% in this bucket, the way they did that was they took it to the priest at the temple. They gave it to the priest. And in the New Testament, they took it and they laid it at the feet of the apostles. And so here's what we know, and this is what we encourage in our church. Most churches encourage us, and we do too. We just haven't really openly said it, that when you're considering how how does this thing work, then what our advice is, is that your offering, your 10%, your first fruit, that it is brought to the church, and it is given to the leaders of the church to use to advance the cause of God and his kingdom in the world. And so what we ask our people to do, we ask you actually to physically bring it. If you want to do that, put it in offering boxes that we have throughout our church, and you just literally put it in there. Either it's a cash or check or something like that. What we really encourage is to do it online. That you get on our app, you get on our website, and you learn to do that digitally. It's very simple, and most of our world is digital in commerce today anyway. And, and we've got about 70% of our, our church that all they're giving happens that way. And it comes to this church, and our leaders, who are our elders and our staff, receive all of that, and they decide how we're going to use it to advance the cause of God. Now, why do we do that? Because it seems to be how they did it in the Bible. And they made that happen there. Now, just so that you know, here at Eastside, and I'm saying this mainly for our our members here, if you're guests here, I hope this makes you feel uh, comfortable about that, is that we strive to the highest level that we know how to exercise integrity with the administration of those funds. There, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about how when the money was brought to leaders about how they, they took every caution that they could to do this right. There's a verse in the Bible that says this. I want you to see it because it's kind of our theme verse here. Uh, Paul wrote it, and he said, We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. Move on and see what he says. In the next verse, he said, for we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. And so how do we do that here? How do we do that? There's all kinds of things we do so that you know this is a place of integrity that you can believe in. One of the things we do is we tell you what happened to the money. We have a thing called a budget here, and it's our plan of what our leaders, our elders, our staff have, have talked together and feel that this is what God wants us to do. And so we present that to you. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to show you this is the plan for 2023. And so what happens to our money? Well, that's the plan. You can see it. And this is how we're going to advance the kingdom of God. Every penny is accounted for, every single penny. We have meticulous reports that are presented to our elders and our staff every week about where every single penny is, every single penny. We know where it came from. When it came in, we know where it went. We understand all of that. It is in the highest level of integrity. Nobody knows what you give. There are very, very few people Three or four who even work in that area. And so we know what this family contributes. Our staff doesn't know that. Our elders don't get into that. And then we have these reports. Here's where every penny went. every, Every week we have that. That encompasses the life of one of our staff members. We employ an outside auditing firm who have no interest in this thing at all. They don't have any dog they're fighting for whatsoever. And they are an outside firm that holds us accountable. And they look at every single thing we do to make sure it's above board. I'll give you an example of that. A number of years ago, we had a young man working on our staff. He's not on our staff now. And, and he's a great guy, man. He just went somewhere else to, to, to serve. He's doing a great job for the kingdom of God. But he was a little little tough, had some problems when he spent money. We wanted to have receipts. We're gonna have receipts. And so our auditing company says, we got a receipt here. As best I remember, it was about 10 bucks. It was hardly any. And they said, we don't have a receipt. Somebody got to get the receipt. So we went to him and said, you got to turn the receipt. He goes, I ain't got the receipt. We said, that's a problem. You got to find the receipt. He says, it's 10 bucks. said, dude, you got to find the receipt. And so he went on a two, three week plan to find the receipt. He found it crumpled up under a seat in his car with spaghetti stains all over it. And so we presented it to our audit company. Is this good enough? And they looked at it, and they said, this time, but never again, never again. What I'm trying to say is that there are excessive measures of trying to watch over that and make sure that it's within the will of God here at our church. Now, I want to show you something, and I want you to hang with me, because I'm going to make a point of this. We're going to be done. I know I've spoken long enough. I am not speaking this today because we got a problem. I met with a brother pastor of mine another church in this area today, and he was talking about how they have to do this often in their church because they, they got a problem. And I want you to know we don't have a problem. I'm not doing this because I'm trying to fix anything. And I'm, I'm going to show you this in a minute. I'm going to show you some numbers. And if you're not a number person, you'll probably fall asleep. But hang with me, okay, because we're almost done. But if you're a number person, you're going to see the hand of God, and you're going to see what kind of church Eastside Christian Church is. I want to show you some things. I want to show you how many people come to our church. People ask that all the time. How many people come to our church? I want to show you some things really quick. I want you to go back to, um, let's put that first slide up, and I want to show you that pre-COVID, right before COVID hit, These numbers are an average of four weeks. So four weeks right before COVID hit, there were 1,600 people, and we've kind of averaged these numbers as close as we can. There were 1,600 people who came to church here on a weekend pre-COVID. It was the most people we'd ever had in the history of our church coming to our church, and we had 1,600 people every weekend. It was just a great, great, great time. Then COVID hit, and we had zero, and we were shut down for 11 weeks. And if anybody was here, you know how awful that was, never in my entire life did I ever, ever, ever believe we'd shut down the house of God and we had nobody here for 11 weeks. Then when we reopened, for the first four weeks that we reopened, we had an average of 700 people. That was a mixture of hallelujah. I I remember I, I stood right here And I wept in our first service at the start. And everybody was weeping and screaming and yelling and clapping because we reopened. We were here and we had about 700 people. and We were so happy about it. And at the same time, it was where are the other 900? And the world was telling us that many of those who didn't come back will never come back. And many of them never did. And they still have never come back. Where we are currently... Over the last four weeks that we've had here is we've had this many people coming to our church. We've had 1575 has been our average. and it's actually a little bit more than that. Over the last couple of weeks, it's been in the 1650 range, 1675 range. And so we are uh, just a little bit above where we were pre-COVID. So there's a lot of people that are coming to our church, and we went through a dip, and Satan thought he won, and he didn't win, right? He did not win, okay? So our church is back. God has brought us back. Now, here's why I want you to see that, okay? I want to show you what these people do when it comes to the first fruits. I want to show you this, and then you'll see we we don't have a problem here. So let me go back to uh, 2019. I think that's the year before COVID. And our general offerings here that we use for our budget, uh, and these are just really kind of summarized and kind of rounded off was about $1.65 million. That's the amount of ministry money that was used that year to advance the kingdom of God here. The next year in 2020, and that's where COVID hit, which we were worried this number would be cut in about half. You'll see that it stabilized and rose just a little bit during COVID, okay? And I don't even know how to tell you how crazy awesome that was during COVID, in 2021, last year, that number hit a little bit over two million. and now this year with a few weekends left, uh, it will end up being right about 2.25 million dollars are given by the 1600 people who come to our church. now here's why I say this. And I know I'm long, I'm, forgive me, okay? Our, our elementary people get so mad at me on Monday morning. So would you pray for me tomorrow? Anyway, I'm wasting time, aren't I? Here's, here's why I'm saying this, okay? We don't have a problem here. We don't have a problem here. And so why are our people that generous? Why are they that generous? Why does that happen? Here, here's why some people would say, and they're probably right, is because a whole lot of people in our church have learned that if you let go of the pole and you just trust him, just trust him, 10, 10, 80. But that ain't the pole. That's the whole point. Trust him. That if you do that, that your life has the potential of being smooth and straight and people are worn out with curvy and bumpy and dangerous and they experience this and they say, I'd never change that. That's why it's not a problem here. But see, I think it's bigger than that. The reason I think it's bigger is because a whole lot of people in our church understand that he gave all of it. And when that gets into your heart and messes with you, and your heart understands that, then what's on your hip always follows. Father, I thank you that you are in charge and that you're good. And I just pray you help us work through this. Um, This isn't an easy thing for a lot of people. I pray for our young people in this room that they walk out of this room and say, okay, that's how I'm gonna deal with money for the rest of my life. I just wanna pray that you, by your spirit, touches some young people in this room right now and that changes everything they ever do whenever they touch another piece of currency for the rest of their life. And for us people a little bit older and maybe we're kinda used to holding on to the pole and this is such a big radical thing, I pray that you give us the fortitude To trust it. And then you be faithful and you do what you promise you'll do. And you are always good. You're always, always good. Amen.